Hope you enjoyed that song that uh, Brother Trace sang, our grandson, uh, Gardner Altman III. I told him I hope he'll get married very soon, and, and they'll have a little boy, and have, we'll have four generations. Maybe you'll find someone I'd like to help him with that. <laughs> so, so. But it's wonderful to be with you this morning and wonderful to be in the family of God. The greatest thing in all the world, I think, is to be in the family of God. I'm thankful this morning for many things, and I'm thankful for my family and my friends, but I'm thankful for this church. I'm thankful for the church family here and the staff and all that work here. I'm thankful for Pastor Mark, a great pastor, a great man of God with great compassion for all of us and and wisdom from the Lord to pastor this church, he and Kim, and thank God for Steve and Joy and Thank God for Daniel and Liz who work with the children and Jessica, our treasurer, and Sister Sue, our secretary, and Chaplain Jay, we just saw him up here taking the offering and releasing, and Evelyn, our custodian, and all the people that work at the church. Because without you, the church wouldn't be very much. The stained glass, they're not going to do a thing for us. It's pretty. cost a lot of money. But a lot of things we build around here are just, they won't do a thing for us, but the people of the church, the pastor, and the staff, and I, I do a little bit through counseling and pray for all of you, but the main thing is that you're here and God is here, and we need to be thankful this morning. I, I, last word, the last words he had on the screen last Sunday was being thankful, and I told him I was going to preach on that today, and we want to to endeavor to get a handle on what God is doing today in our lives, and and, and be thankful and be grateful for what's happening. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 17. We're going to read, uh, I believe we've got here verses 11 through 24, I believe. We'll stop. Thank you. And it came to pass that Jesus went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into this certain village, there met him ten men that were leopards, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices, and they said, Jesus, Master, have mercy upon us. And he saw them and said unto them, Go show yourselves to the priest, and it came to pass that they went, and they were cleansed. And one of them, when he had seen he was cleansed, came back and turned back to Jesus and said, Thank you, and glorified God. And he fell down at the feet of Jesus and worshipped him, giving thanks for all. And Jesus said unto him, answered and said to him, Were there not ten that were cleansed? Where are the nine? They are not found here to return to give thanks unto God. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way. Thy faith has made thee whole. God bless his word to you, his people. Being thankful, we have in this story today a true fact of life. Ten men came to Jesus. Nine of them went their way. One return to give thanks and glorify God. 
When we think about our world today, we think this is an awful thing. But if you look at the world today and see how it's moving fast and fiercely, it's moving about like the ratio was when one came back to Jesus. Only one out of ten, 10%. Today, if you would take a, a, a toll of the people in Fayetteville, North Carolina, or Raleigh or Charlotte or Baltimore or anywhere, you'd find about the same ratio. About one out of ten are really and truly thankful and grateful for what God is doing for them daily. Most people would fit in the class of the nine. They go their own way. People today in the world think the Lord owes them a lot. He gives us a lot today through his love, his mercy, and his kindness to us. But really and truly, God doesn't owe us anything. He paid the full sacrifice, paid all that it was worth. When Jesus went to Calvary and died, and he cried out, it is finished. God paid this eternal sacrifice when he gave his son. And now he said in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should believe in him should not perish, but have eternal life. John 3.16 is a theme of the gospel. I said to many of my friends when I was studying in seminary in graduate school, when you study all the philosophy and theology and all the things you go having to take and you get very confused sometimes in religion and theology, turn back and read John 3.16. Read that four or five times until you get to believe in it. That's a gospel that we ought to be preaching. These other things we talk about in philosophy and, and theology and psychology, they're all good, but none of them can save you. The only thing can save you that you ought to really be thankful for this morning in your life is John 3.16, that God loved you and gave his son for you. And those of you that have children this morning know that it would be an awful thing to be called on to give up one of your children to save somebody else. The nearest thing to that I've ever read about is when the Titanic was sinking and people were crying and screaming and going here and there and everywhere. And there's one pastor that are working to get them <coughs> on the boats. I'll be right take a little of this water here. But people realize so many times in life there's so much given to us. We're so blessed. We have so much to be thankful for. But we take those blessings and health is one thing, and we take prosperity is another that God gives us. And we go our merry way. And it's hard to get people to really be thankful and grateful. Many years ago when I was pastor and an Andrew's young preacher, I prayed for a man that was in despair, broke. And blood blessed him in a marvelous way with his farm and his potatoes and things. He changed his philosophy from raising hogs and chickens to doing the little potatoes and various things and and, and got to making some good money with his farm. And he came to me one day and said, Pastor, you know, I, I'm giving too much, I think, to the church. I said, is that true? He said, yes, I've been doing well. I've been giving to missions, and I've been giving 
my time, and I figured up the other day, and my accountant told me I was giving too much. I said, go back and ask your accountant how you were four years ago when you didn't, when you lost ten dollars to $15,000 farming and the chickens and had no tax to pay. Now, I can pray if you want me to for God to put you back just like you were. Would you like that? He said, oh, Lord, no, Lord, no, don't do that. He said, I was about to lose my farm. I said, well, now be thankful and be grateful and pay your tithe and give the mission like I've instructed you to do and, and give God praise and honor, and he'll probably keep on blessing you. And he blessed him till he died in, in good financial status. But so many times in life we have been so unthankful. I've counseled people in the last year or so that five years ago was just floating in money. And today they're floating in misery. They're broke and in despair and don't know what they're going to do. And I asked him, I said, when you had all this money, did you give tithe to the church? Oh, he said, I gave a little to the church. But did you give tithe to the church? Were you thankful and grateful? Did you thank God for it and your health and your blessing? And most every time people that come for counseling, they say, no, I did not do that. Why? Here's why. You're not thankful enough. You're not grateful enough. You thought because of your ingenuity and economic skills and hard work, you got all this. I can show you people that worked hard all their life and taken nothing because they were never thankful. But I encourage you this morning to be thankful for your health. Be thankful for your family. Be thankful for your church. Thankful for your pastor. And be thankful in all things. And, and give glory to God, like the, the leper that came back and fell down to the feet of Jesus and gave glory to God. It would be an interesting thing if we could go back and find those nine lepers and, and study their life and see what happened to them. I imagine they found themselves in despair again because the same God that smiles upon you and blesses you can shut off your blessings. Tappan said this morning, God owns a cattle on a thousand hills. That's good. He does. But he don't have to give them to you. He owns but he doesn't have to give them to me. He can just look at them and smile and say, all oh, these cattle are pretty. And Altman down there is having a hard time, but he hasn't learned to be thankful and to be grateful. Let him keep on struggling. He needs more pain. I've said so many times in counseling people and talking to them, this man has not had enough pain yet. When he has enough pain and misery and pain and sorrow, he'll come to himself as a prodigal son did and come to God. But you need to come to God before you have that pain. He loves people to come to him when they're healthy and strong and blessed and beautiful. We need to understand we need to come back and fall at his feet and love him and worship him. Jesus said, where are the nine? They're out here traveling around, floating around, doing good, thinking they're, they're great because they don't have lepers anymore. But they haven't come to the end of their way. So this morning, we need to think about when we have help, whatever we have being blessed for. The church has to, you say, why do we take offerings? The church has to have money to run. Public works charges, Pastor Mark, the light bill here, just like you does at your house and mine. If we don't pay the bill, they'll cut the lights off. We have to have money to take care of the staff. We have to have money. So let's be thankful for God and blessing him. The best thing, I've always enjoyed tithing. 
when I was saved, the first week I was saved, September 28, 1950, I started tithing the next Sunday morning. And that time I was making $500 a week and I put in 50. And Bama said to me, you know, we can't pay $50 and pay all our other bills. We're going to pay $50. And I took my car and Gardner's car and carried it down to Darlington, South Carolina and sold a new Highlander Chrysler and paid the debt in the bank, got rid of the payment and took about $300, bought me a little old Plymouth to drive around on 41 Plymouth. That was a real good driving little car, Parrish. <laughs> I like that little car. And my wife said, you're going to say you sell my car. I'd rather have the peace I have and the joy I have and the good part that God has given me than any car a man could ever make. I'd rather ride around the rattlecrap Ford or a Plymouth or anybody who was, just get me to where I need to go than the finest car you can buy and be miserable and know I'd rob God to have it. Let's be thankful this morning, friends, and let's be practical and let's be truthful. And that's what my wife and I started doing in 1950, and we've done it ever since and paid the missions every month. And so I'm telling you that I bought anything great, but I do have a good record with a financial instructor in heaven. I do have that. I know that. So now we need to do like the leopard, come back to God and thank him for whatever he's given you this morning when you go home today, make a note and be thankful and be grateful. And when the, I, I saw Brother Steve the other night having dinner with his mother-in-law, Sister Kim, and he told me about missions. And I said, I haven't uh, given anything extra to speed the light. So I gave him a check there at dinner because I wanted to go with speed the light. And I'm encouraging you, when you have opportunity to give the speed the light, give it to cares missionaries around the world. Give, that's extra, Mary, but let's be thankful. When we look at the Bible and see people that were thankful, Jesus wants us to believe. How do you say, how do you make God happy, God? Pastor Altman was simply, believe God. Believe his word. Obey his word. Take the spirit and the word and believe it. Many of you are going to be baptized. You should be baptized. And you ought to join some good church. And this is a great church to join. you got a great pastor. Believe God's word. Serve God. Let the Holy Spirit guide you and direct you. When he gives you blessings, salvation and healing and all the blessings he gives you, be thankful for that and give him the glory. Take some time to give praise to him. Privately, yes. And sometimes publicly. Tell people. You can't earn your salvation. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith. Not of works, not of yourself, lest any man should boast. It's a gift of God. None of us can boast this morning about our salvation. We can be thankful for our salvation, but the poorest man, the most ignorant man, the most ragtag man in the city can come to God in faith and receive salvation from God just like a Harvard graduate. God doesn't check your IQ. He doesn't check your bank account. He didn't look at your clothes. He didn't smell of you and say you smell good. He just simply, when you come and pray and ask for forgiveness, he forgives you. He forgives you. Now, I think when people get saved and get baptized in the Holy Ghost and get baptized in water, light of God, I think they'll, they'll clean up a wee bit and smell a little bit better. <laughs> I really believe they will because they're in, they're in good company with God. I've met people all, all my life are just hobos. Many times I've gone to my house across the street and get a shirt and some pants and stuff to give a, a bum came in here and I prayed for him and invited him to church. And it may be a, 
a size 44 and he wore a 36, but it fitted pretty good. It doesn't fit, but it feels good. A lot of times we don't, we don't realize that, that people that are cold, they, they'll be willing to wear a 46 jacket. Don't ever throw a jacket away. Give it to somebody that can wear it. And then when you give it to them, put your arms around them and love them and be a friend. Yes, let's be, be kind to God's people. My wife wrote me an epistle before she died, and one or two or three times she said, your desire to give and share overwhelms me. Well, she'd seen me take the food out of our locker and give. We didn't have a box here at the church then. Take it out of our locker and give to people. She'd seen me take clothes out of my closet and give to people. And if I had four or five dollars, I'd give them a couple of dollars. Some of said, well, you should give the man a couple of dollars. But I have a friend that taught me something about that. Giving said it might be my child sometimes and always giving money. And so when you, when you give to God's people, God's creation, you're not wasting money. Just be thankful to God and be able to give, give God a gift and let it be something enough. We can't boast about our salvation. We never can boast. It's a gift from God. He gave it to us. And I look at the chapter 7 in Luke also where the, Jesus was going down the road preaching and Simon invited him into his house to give him, meal, give him a meal. And when he got in his house, the woman on the street out there, there was a, a sinner, a very sinful woman, real sinful. Didn't you give her a name? And you read this in Luke 7, 36 through about 45 in, in your Bible. And she pushed through the crowd. Her face said, let me get to Jesus. And when she got into Jesus, she stood behind him and, and wept and cried. And her tears washed his feet. She was crying for forgiveness. And then she wiped his feet with her hair. She was so thankful to be in his presence. And he was, he was ministering to him and anointing his feet with oil. She had brought in an alabaster box of great spices and anointed Jesus' feet, anointed him and kissed his feet. And Simon, the, the great Pharisee, he said, this man could not be a prophet. He doesn't understand who this woman is. This woman is a sinner. She is a bad girl. She doesn't need to be anywhere near Jesus. A prophet does not touch an unclean, sinful woman. Preachers just don't do that. They only deal with clean people, nice people, good-looking people, people that look good and smell good and nice. That's the only kind of these preachers probably deal with. And Jesus said to him, to Simon, Simon, he said, I have something I need to say to you. And Simon said, Master, say on. Speak. He said, when I came in here, you didn't even offer me any water to wash my feet. You just invited me in your house. You didn't anoint me with anything. You didn't do anything for me. But he said, let me tell you something. This woman's done a lot. Let me give you a little story, he said. There was a great creditor. He had two men. One owed him 500 pence and one owed him 50. He forgave both of them for all they owed him. And they marked their bill paid, and no, neither one of them owed anything. Who would love him the most? And Simon said, probably the man that you forgave 500 would love the most. He said, you have judged rightly. But he said, you didn't give me any water. You didn't anoint my head and my feet. Oh, you didn't do anything for me. Just invited me in to have a meal like you would anybody else on the street. But this woman has come in here and, and anointed me. She has anointed my body. She has 
wash my feet with her tears. This woman has done a great thing. Yes, she came in as a sinner, but she went out as a saint. Why? Because she got in the presence of Jesus. My friends, Jesus received sinners then. He received sinners today. He didn't turn anybody away. You read through the New Testament, and you will not find anyone that Jesus ever turned away. Every person that came to Jesus, this sinful, sinful woman, spent all she had on Jesus. She wanted to get to him because people had told her Jesus was a kind man. He was a forgiving man. He was full of love and compassion. And this is what she needed. And my friends, that is what all of us need today. There's not a one of us in this church that doesn't need God's forgiveness. We need God's compassion. We need God's love. We need God's grace and God's mercy. All of us need that. You say, well, I'm pretty good, Pastor Altman. Well, you, you may be pretty good. But I want to tell you what Paul the Apostle said. He said, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's what Paul said. He said, we've all come short. So if you're this morning, if there's not a one of us in this church would like to have our, our record flashed up on the screen here from your life of the last 20 years put up there and let everybody see all the deeds you have done. You'd cry out to whoever's in running the machine, cut it off, cut it off, cut it off. Because you don't want people to see your record. But my friends, it doesn't matter to me what your record is. Jesus loves you. Jesus cares for you. He wants to give you good things. And the greatest thing he can give you in all the world is forgiveness for your sins. The greatest feeling you'll ever have in the world is to be able to rise from your time of prayer or leave the altar and go back to your seat knowing that you have made contact with Jesus. He says, all of you that are heavy laden, come unto me. All of you. And I will give you rest. It's a great thing to know you can come to Jesus just like the leopards did, just like this woman, this sinner woman did, and he gave her absolute forgiveness and cleansing. And that, my friends, this morning is what we all need. All of us need that. Not some of us, but all of us. We're saved, of course, when we're born again. We're saved. And our name's written in the book of life. We're baptized in water. We start on our journey. But many times on the journey of life, you run into hard places, difficult places. And sometimes on this great journey you're on, you, de- you deviate, you, you change courses, you, you fall off the track, you, you fall down. You find yourself saying things you shouldn't say. You find yourself thinking things you shouldn't think. You find yourself doing things you ought not do. Why? Because your strength is gone. There's no one there to hold you up. And then you find yourself falling down, falling away. But you think to yourself, but Jesus loves me. God loves me. The Holy Ghost loves me, and the Holy Ghost is wooing you, wooing you, calling you back. And then you come back. As John 1, 9 says, says, we come and confess our weaknesses, confess our failures, confess our sins, and we come back to Jesus, and he says, I do not condemn you. I forgive you. I died on the cross for you. Go and sin no more. And that's what Paul said. We've all failed. We've all faltered. We've all sinned. So we come 
not necessarily like the center woman in the city that came to Jesus to anoint him, but we come in our failures and shortcomings and our, and our, and our weaknesses. I've learned in my short span of life and counseling people working in the church that sometimes we Christians are very weak. Sometimes we need to go back to the altar and say, Lord, please, when I came to the altar the first time, I didn't leave this sin. I want to leave it here now. We get, we get saved, and we have, hang on to some things way back in our subconscious mind, and it, and it comes up on us. It jumps up on us like an alcoholic. just jumps on you. The alcoholic can't, can't take one drink, and they start taking one drink. They'll drink till the ball is gone. They just can't stop because they're weak. And they're frail. Or many of us have the same problem with other things, not necessarily that. But we need to realize that Paul, the apostle, said, Be careful for nothing, but in all things through prayer and thanksgiving. Through prayer and supplication and thanksgiving. <clears throat> Supplications means sincere, dedicated prayer till you touch God. The old time just was saying until you pray through. My grandma would say Pray do you pray through. Now, some young folks haven't heard that terminology, but you need to know it. And just a little short prayer. You need to pray do you pray through till you touch God, till you feel his spirit, till you feel his forgiveness, till you feel his love and compassion, feel his arm around you, holding you, praying and you, ringing you. And Paul said, pray with thanksgiving. We have people today in our world today are committing suicide, murdering people every week, raping little girls, all kinds of sins. All kinds. You name it, it's in the news every day. Every day. I went out to the spa yesterday afternoon to work out a little bit, a few minutes to get a little bit of exercise and saw several, several break news where people had murdered somebody and somebody raped somebody. They're trying to, somebody, the injured the president. All kinds of things in the world. Why? Because the devil is full of power. He hasn't gone out of business, my friends. He's still very, very active. Jesus said... The devil comes, in John 10, 10, the devil has come to steal from you, to corrupt you, and to kill you. That's what he's come for. Yet people keep following him all the time. He's come to kill you and destroy you and steal from you, take everything from you, leave you stripped, lay him beside the road to die or in your house. But Jesus said, I have come to give you life and liberty, and love, and mercy, and kindness, and life more abundantly, John 10, 10. I've come to give you that. He's holding out those things to all of us, waiting for us to come so he can give us life. We need to realize today that the devil has come to steal from us. He's come to destroy you. He's come to wreck you. But if you come, and you fall down to the feet of Jesus, and you begin to be thankful, then he, we need to we need to find time, all of us, including me, to find more time to worship him. Not necessarily in the church. We worship pretty good in the church from about 10.30 to about 11.05 when we worship really good. I'm, I'm sure the Lord is well pleased with the songs that our brother Steve led us in this morning. I'm sure he enjoyed, I'm sure I enjoyed it. And the song that Trace led us in in worship. But see, we need to worship God in the quietness of our home, in our car, Different places, fine. One, worship him. Learn to just sit at his feet and love him. Just take time to love him. 
Let's make love to God in the privacy of your own home, your, your living room or den or bedroom, and make love to Jesus. It's a beautiful story in Luke 10, 38 through 42, where Martha had received Jesus into her house. And she you know, got him in the house, but as she got him in the house, she continued working as if he wasn't there. But Mary, her younger sister, she, when Jesus came in, she stopped at work and sat down at his feet and listened to his words and listened to what he had to say. And she was just lost in worship in Jesus. When I think about Mary, I think about our late daughter, Connie. Many years ago, we were living across the streets here in this house, a little brick house. Connie loved to play the piano and sing and worship. She loved to do that. And she'd be in the house worshiping God and singing. And I'd mother would call me and say, you time to come home for dinner about 530. We usually eat pretty early, so I'd get out and get out and back to work that night. And Connie would say, Mother, can you and Daddy come in here a moment? And she'd be playing on the piano a song, picking out something and singing. Listen to this. Isn't this beautiful? Well, she learned to just sit there and worship. Where Bam would say, well, Connie, honey, this is beautiful, nice. But the supper's getting cold. It'd be nice if we could go eat now. And she'd love to play and sing, and, and sing a song she'd picked out on the piano. Reminds me of Trace a lot. Just love to do that. She loved the worship. She loved people. She would, and so I, I would, when I would think about all the people I've known, and, and when I read Mary's story, she just wanted to sit at Jesus' feet and learn from him. And Martha came in and said, Jesus, do you not care that Mary leaves me to serve alone? Tell her, he used the word, bid her, come and help me. Martha didn't only work herself. She told Jesus to have Mary to go back to work herself telling him what he needs to do. She's a bold woman and very foolish. But Jesus said, Martha, you're careful and troubled about many things. You're troubled about many things, he said. But Mary has sought the good part that will never be taken from her. She sought the good part. And my friends, this morning I want to say to you, we need to take time to seek God for the good part that will never be taken from us. That good part will hold you in life. It'll hold you in death. It'll hold you in sickness. It'll hold you in sorrow. It'll never be taken from you. That good part that he talked about Mary wanted, she sought the good part. We need the good part. King David knew the good part. He knew, he said, but King David knew how to worship God. He knew how to love God. He knew how to sing hymns to God and worship God. He said, Yea, though I walk through the valley and the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Though I go through the valley of death, I'll not be afraid, because you're with me. You're here to comfort me. And then he said beautifully in Psalms 27, 4, he said, one thing I have desired, that I will dwell in the house of God forever. I will always be in the house of God. I'll find my place in the church, in the house of God. I want there to find his beauty and his love forever and inquire about his love. And my friends, this morning, we need to realize the church is just something to come and sing a few courses and Listen to Pastor Mark preach. The church is a place you come to worship God. You pull away from the world. 
and you come to worship God. I remember when I was first saved and I was in the business world with my brother. Every Wednesday night I would leave at 7 o'clock. We'd have a lot of work to be doing. But I said, I got to go to prayer meeting. James says, prayer meeting. You see all this produce we need to load get out of here, Gardner? I got to go pray. So I went on to the church. It's been about, about an hour, 30 minutes. They had somebody talking on Wednesday night, didn't know a thing about the Bible, didn't know what they were talking about, read a little scripture. And I go to the altar and pray. Wasn't a great worship service. But every time when I got back home from the church praying, I knew what to do with all that produce, all of it. God helped me in his presence to know what to do every time. I've told many businessmen, and it's true, take Jesus in the boardroom with you. Take Jesus in everywhere you go. Let everybody you know that you're a Christian. Tell everybody you're a Christian. When I got saved, I told everybody I was a Christian. And I tried to win people to Jesus all the time. My cousin that worked for me, he didn't tell anybody at Christmas time. Everybody sent him Seagram 7. They all sent him liquor to drink. He'd been drinking. Everybody sent me fruit. I got my, I got my fruit boxes at Christmas time. They knew I didn't drink anymore. They knew I was a Christian. I told everybody, I'm a Christian now. My, life, my language changed. My habits changed. Why? Because I sit at the feet of Jesus. I found the good part. I told my cousin, E.M., he's a good guy. He, didn't drink. He, quit. He, he quit drinking himself. But he didn't tell anybody. So all the friends that he'd worked with, they, they sent him two or three, he got three or three cases of liquor. What are you going to do with this liquor? I'm not going to tell you what to do with the liquor. But I'll tell you one thing, you don't need to drink it. I don't know what he did with it. He never asked me anymore. But my friends, you have to tell people when you found the good part. Tell them who you hooked up with. Tell them about Jesus. You can't tell anybody about Jesus till you go to acting like Jesus. Bow your head and the rest and have a prayer, a short prayer. And do, do differently. Be differently. Get the good part. David knew it. Paul the apostle and Silas in Acts 16 knew the good part. They were in jail in stocks and could not move their feet and move around. Paul said to Silas in verse 26, Silas, he said, we are in big trouble we need to call on God. Let's praise God. They begin to praise God and worship God and love God. And Jesus sitting there beside the Father. He's a high priest. He said, Paul and Silas are in some trouble down there, Father. And the Father said, Jesus, all the power in heaven and earth is given to you. Do what you want to with them. So Jesus turned to the Holy Ghost and said, Holy Ghost, go down and shake the jail. Hallelujah. And the Holy Ghost came to do his work and shook the jail. All the doors flew open wide. All the stocks fell off and all the men were free. The Holy Ghost set them free. And the jailer was about to kill himself. Why? Because Paul and Silas knew the good part. They knew where the power was. They knew where their, their deliverance was. They knew it. And I want to say to you this morning, my friends, we need to take time. All of us to get along with Jesus and seek for that good part that Mary talked about, that Paul had, that King David had, that we need that good part that will never be taken from you. You're going to go through some hard places in your life. You go through some tough times in your life. But if you have the hand of Jesus holding your hand, as Trace sang for me this morning, hold my hand, don't let it go. Then, my friends, that is a good part.
I told my children and some of my friends, when my wife died, I was sitting beside the bed when she died, June the 9th at 545 in the morning. And I prayed until the release of the Lord. And I said, Lord, hold my hand. Don't let it go. I could not tell you anything was said at Bammer's funeral. I was like in a daze. But I knew one thing, that Jesus was holding my hand. And I want to tell you this morning, my friends, I want you all to find that good part. And let that won't ever be taken from you. When you go through hard places in life, you can just put up your hand. When you can't swim anymore, if you're in the river, it's just whipping you back and forth. Just turn over when you're back and floating. Keep your hand up and let him hold it. Through your trouble and your sorrow and your grief and your pain and your sins, let him hold your hand. Seek the good part. We need the good part today. We need that good part. The world needs it so much. People I work with, they, we all need I need him myself. I pray for it every day. And I keep the whole of that good part because I know Mary had it. David had it. The leper, he got it. The son of woman, she got it. King David had it all the time. All the time. I ask you this morning, have you run into the good part? Let Jesus help you. Let us pray. Our Father, I thank you this morning for your word and for your people, for your marvelous love. And I thank you, God, today that we can come to you this morning just as we are. As the said, a woman came, the leopard came, just as we are. And you will reach out to us and love us, give us compassion, and call us unto yourself. If you're here this morning, you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, and you'd like to know him before you leave the day. If you lift your hand, I'd like to pray for you before you leave. Would you lift your hand? Anybody need Christ? One person. Anybody else need Christ? Only one in all this congregation need Jesus. I feel like there may be one, one or two or three more that need Jesus. For the first time, you want to get hold of him. Any of you been living in a time of sorrow and grief and pain? You don't really understand the good part. That you'd really like to have the good part. Would you raise your hand? So when trouble comes and sorrow comes and grief, thank you very much, my brother. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Many, raise your hand. Let's stand our feet quickly, please. Stand our feet and pray softly.